Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us, and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. Come on, let's welcome in all of our locations and campuses, those watching online right now. We're so glad that you're with us on this Father's Day. We know the, that this weekend is also a big travel weekend. Maybe some of you are traveling, visiting, on vacation, or whatever. We're just so glad that you've tuned in today to Celebration, and we have a great Father's Day message in store for you. But before we get in to today's message, just a couple of things. For those of you at all of our uh, locations, dads, look, you've got to hit the beef jerky bar on the way out. That is your Father's Day gift from Celebration. What y'all think we're going to give y'all, like a nice card or something like that? You get the beef jerky bar. And look, it's not just regular beef jerky. It is wild animal beef jerky out there. We got venison, we got bison, we've got Florida cow. We've got it all labeled out there for you. We've got Louisiana Nutria rat, one of my favorites. No, we don't have any Nutria, but we want you to stop by and get some of that good beef jerky. And seriously, we wanna uh, wish all you dads a a, a happy Father's Day and thanks so much uh, for being who you are and uh, for putting God first and, uh, and for serving and loving your family, man. It, uh, we appreciate that. Just a couple of more things. First of all, remember, parents, if you have a high schooler or middle schooler, this Wednesday night is gonna be our biggest yet-to-date riot night with Louis Giglio. It's gonna be amazing. Listen, um, Pastor Louie preaches all over the world to hundreds and hundreds of thousands of high school, middle school, college students uh, through his passion conferences. And it's just a real honor that he is is coming here. He's going to be here this Wednesday night. It is going to be an amazing riot night. So look, you need to get every young person that you know, even college and career age. Really, uh, Louie, we're, we're opening it up to our sub-30, our college age as well. It's going to be an amazing night. I promise you that the pickup and drop-off is going to be awesome. The parking is going to be phenomenal. Where's y'all's faith, man? Y'all need to... Look, we made a lot of improvements. It's really going to be good. But the most important thing is that you get that young person here, or if you're under 30 yourself, you need to get in here Wednesday night because it is going to be a major move of God here, and it's going to be a lot of fun as well. Also, want to remind you that our right retreat is coming up for all middle schoolers and high schoolers. Listen, there's only a couple of hundred spots left, so you need to sign your, your, your kid or your student up for that as soon as possible because it is gonna, it's going to get full quick, especially uh, after this Wednesday night um, because we're going to have hundreds, thousands of, of people here to, to hear Louie. So it's going to be great. All right, are you guys ready for an awesome Father's Day message? Yeah? Yeah? Well, our speaker today is one of our very own, Pastor Chris Brooks. Now, let me tell you about Pastor Chris. Pastor Chris, Pastor Chris actually founded, he's one of the founders of Celebration Church uh, along with me. He, he and his wife, Ashley, moved with Carrie and I from Louisiana over 16 years ago. And with just an initial launch team of seven people, we planted, we started Celebration Church about two miles from here uh, in the Jacksonville Country Day School Gymnasium. 
And uh, he's been a real good friend, one of my best friends pretty much all of my life. Many of you know the story that Chris and I, we used to uh, be bouncers at a club together back in college. And uh, so come on up here, Chris. Give him a hand, everybody. And uh, so Chris, so Chris and I, like, see, we were both bouncers. Can't y'all tell us? So somehow Chris kept all of his stuff. I lost all of mine. But uh, you know what we've realized is, is bar people, bouncer people, they make good pastors. Y'all ever notice that? Could, you know, because a, a bar or a club, it can, it can kind of be like a, a church, kind of like a fake church. You know, you go in, it's dark, there's loud music, kind of like our praise and worship, and, <laughs> right? The bartender, the, the bar's kind of like the altar, and people come to the... They want some spirits to make them feel better. And the, the, the bartender's kind of like the pastor, you know, they tell the bartender all their problems and everything, and he tries to help them out. Come on. However, that's the counterfeit. Aren't you glad we have the real deal in Jesus? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So we've given up the counterfeit to serve God, and Jesus is just so amazing. He's done a great work in both of our lives, and Chris, thanks, man. You've been an awesome friend, been an awesome pastor. He speaks to our men a lot. Come on, church, one more time. Give it up for Pastor Chris Brooks. Thank you, Pastor. Come on, let's give it up for all the dads in the house. Thank you, Pastor Stovall. Man, it's great to speak to you today. I, I'm excited to speak to you here on Father's Day, and I wanna greet our campus one more time. Come on, let's put our hands together for the St. John's campus, Pastor Josh, Pastor Brad out at OP. Love you guys. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to 1 Samuel uh, chapter 10. I wanna get right into the, the message today. This is a message I've spoken to the guys a while back, but I'm really excited to bring it to the whole church today. And so 1 Samuel chapter 10, <clears throat> it'll be on the screens if you don't have your, your Bibles, in verse uh, 26. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for being so good to us, and it's great to be in your house on Father's Day. And we just open our hearts to you today, God. God, we thank you that you're speaking, and we're gonna leave this time together changed, Lord, and closer to you. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. In 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 26, it says, and Saul also went to Gibeah, and valiant men went with him, whose hearts God had touched. And you could underline that phrase, whose hearts God had touched or highlight it there in your Bible. Has there ever been a time in your life where God touched your heart in a special way? And you knew it was the Spirit of God. The Bible says whose hearts God touched. This wasn't emotionalism, it wasn't just their emotions, it wasn't willpower, it was the very Spirit of God doing a work in their hearts. Has that ever happened to you? Maybe, maybe you just know, you know that God touched you, and it was real, you had a real encounter with God. When that happens, and it's probably happened to many of you, if not, it could happen today. When that happens, the Bible says, you've been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. You've actually come into a new kingdom, and something shifts, a spiritual enemy has just taken note. And, and we're in a battle. A battle has begun. You're a soldier in his army, the Bible says. And so, flip over to chapter 11. 
1 Samuel chapter 11, verse one, it says, then Nahash, now this name Nahash in the Bible has an interesting meaning, it means serpent. Nahash means serpent. And so then Nahash the Ammonite came up and encamped against Jabesh Gilead. And all the men of Jabesh said to Nahash, make a covenant with us and we will serve you. And so the Israelites here, they're trying, they wanna make a covenant with the enemy. And this is what Nahash says in verse two. And Nahash the Ammonite answered them, on this condition I will make a covenant with you that I may put out all your right eyes. Come on, everybody say right eye. I may put out all your right eyes and bring a reproach on all of Israel. And so Nahash means serpent, and so here what we see is the enemy trying to make a deal with God's people, a deal with the devil. And so he says, if you will leave me alone and let me put out your right eye, he says, he says this, I'll leave you alone if you let me put out your right eye and bring a disgrace on Israel. Why the right eye? Why is he trying to thrust out their right eye? In battle, men would hold shields with their left hand and they would hold swords with their right. And, this, and so the right eye is called the, the fighting eye. That's how you would see your enemy in battle. You would see through the right eye. You would hold up the, the shield and the right eye would be known as your Fighting eye. Come on, everybody say fighting eye. Come on, let's say it again. Fighting eye. And so this fighting eye is how you would see the enemy. And so think of what would happen if they made this covenant. A whole town full of half-blind men walking around, useless in battle. This cruel condition, it'd be a badge of slavery to the enemy. And so... Men would be useless in war. They'd be roaming around. And think about this. Think how cruel that would look. Think how humiliating. Think how degrading this town would look. A whole town of men with one eye can't fight. How many know the enemy plays for keeps? That's what he wants. Jesus said the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And so it's a serious battle against the enemy. He wants to destroy your emotional life and take away all of your happiness and joy. He wants to destroy your family, your, your marriage, your finances. He's coming against you. He wants to, to steal the gifts, the things that God wants to bless you with. And so he says, give me your fighting eye and I won't mess with you anymore. Now this same pattern happens to us today. God touches your heart. Something really happens with you and God. And you know it's real. And now you're on his team, you're on his side. And now the enemy comes against you and he wants to make a deal with you. He says, look, you don't want this battle. This is too hard for you. Give me your right eye. Give me your fighting eye and I won't mess with you anymore. And he comes and he wants, to, he wants us to make this deal with God's people. And, and so um, aren't you glad that the enemy is, even though he's old and crafty, the Bible says he has schemes against God's people. Aren't you glad that he was defeated at the cross? The Bible says... In Colossians, it says that he disarmed principalities and powers and made a public spectacle over them, triumphing over them openly. I mean, a public spectacle. He was totally defeated at the cross. We just have to recognize it. We just have to apply it. We have the victory. We just have to walk it out. We just have to apply it. 
in faith. And so this same pattern happens today. So here's what I want to do. I want to give you five ways that we lose our fighting eye. And these are five ways they've all happened to me. This is a personal message. These five things has happened to me in my life. I still, sometimes I even pray over these myself because I know that I'm in a battle. And these are five ways that we lose our fighting eye, but we can all walk in victory. And so the first way that we lose our fighting eye is that we compromise our convictions. We compromise our convictions. Here's what a conviction is. It's a firmly held opinion or belief. A firmly held opinion. It's, a conviction is something you believe and you've decided this is who you are, this is what you believe. And so let me ask you a question, are you a man of conviction today? Are you a woman of conviction? Do you know what you believe? You know, I could list a lot of my convictions, but what about your convictions? You know, is your word your bond? When you say something, do people know you're gonna do it? That's a conviction. What do you believe about Jesus? What do you really believe about Jesus? That's a conviction that you hold. What do you believe about the Bible? The word of God. What's your conviction about it? Do you believe it's the word of God to mankind? Is it his living word? What do you believe about the family, about church? What are your convictions? When I think of a conviction, to me, I think of what type of person do you want to be? How do you want to be known? When you see the end from the beginning of your life, how do you want to be remembered? That's who you were. That's your conviction. Okay? And, and so in a postmodern culture, which is what we live in today, this is the easiest way to define it that there's no one-size-fits-all truth. Everything is relative, everything is gray. Well, what is your truth? What do you wanna believe? Well, that's yours, I have mine, you have yours, it's all good. That's postmodernism. And so Isaiah, years ago, Isaiah says this, he says, woe to them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness. To me, that speaks of knowing what's right and wrong and having a conviction about it. And so in our culture today, we need people, we need men, we need women, we need dads who will stand up for what they believe and not be ashamed of it, not be embarrassed about it. And so in this culture, we need salt and light that are gonna stand up for what they believe. Now, I'm not talking about legalism, being a legalist, you know, I've been down that road, I'm not going back down the legalist path. Legalism just simply means trying to earn God's love through performance, through adherence to a set of rules. We're all gonna fall short at that. I'm not talking about pushing your convictions on everyone around you. It doesn't work anyway, I've tried that. It doesn't work, you know? I'm not talking about being mean-spirited or angry. God doesn't need that. I'm not, I'm not talking about someone who's rude about what they believe. I'm talking about your personal convictions. And maybe you used to hold fast, hold strong to some convictions, but you've just become soft on them. And you're not known as a person who believes something strongly. And so slowly you've just lost your fighting eye. It's one of the ways he wants to take our fighting eyes. He wants to just loosen our convictions about what we believe, about what type of person we are. Come on, don't you appreciate a man or a woman who has some strong convictions and doesn't back down? 
Isn't that attractive today? Don't we need some people that are gonna stand up for what they believe? Come on, y'all, yes. When I became a Christian in college, Pastor Stovall was talking about this, I liked anything that was extreme, loud, zealous is what I was attracted to. That's what I said, if this thing is real, if this really believes then, we need to be sold out. I didn't like anything lukewarm, halfway. I said, if this is real, it's worthy of my whole life. Amen? That's what, as a 21-year-old kid, I said, if this is real, I'm giving it everything I've got. I'm not gonna play any games. And I loved zeal. That's why I loved, I connected with Pastor Stovall. You know, loud, zealous, passionate, you know? And, and so I remember, you know, anything that was loud, I like, we had, I had some friends that had a prayer meeting and they prayed so loud that the cops showed up for disturbing the peace. You know, so the, these cops knocked on the door like, they opened the door and they were like, you're serving the peace. My friends were like, well, praise the Lord, hallelujah, glory to God. They were so happy that they had disturbed the peace in prayer. You know, a guy came to our, anything that was zealous, a guy came to our church, he was telling how he, when he got saved, he read the whole Bible through without eating. I said, well, man, I need to try that, man. I got to like Leviticus, I said, I'm hungry. This ain't gonna work, you know? That didn't work for me. You know, Pastor Stovall, I've told you guys this story before. He started a prayer meeting at 5, 5 a.m. revival prayer. Did it for years. And, and so a man who believes in the power of prayer has a conviction about it. Man, that we would pray in this little band room at church and it would be freezing cold in there, it would be dark, you know, if you were a little bit late, they, the door would be shut. You couldn't even get in, you know? And, and so uh, I just loved zeal, crying out to God. I put this, I, when I got saved, I, had, I was in a fraternity for three years at LSU. I said, I might as well get this over with. Let everyone know where I stand with God. So I just got this giant sign, true story, and I, 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 paint, I put on there, he who has the son has life, he who has not the son hath not life. If you need life, call Chris Brooks. And I posted it on the fraternity door. I didn't, yeah, it didn't work. I didn't get one call. Can you believe that? Not one person called me. I went over to this other guy's house and he had this big sign over his TV and it said, would Jesus watch this? I was like, man, that's cool, man. This guy's fired up. I said, and so I ended up making a vow to never see a movie. <laughs> I didn't go see, I, true story, I didn't go see a movie for, for several years, man. I, I made a vow. And, and so I, my first job that I got out of, out of college, I went, I'd get there real early and I'd anoint every cubicle with oil to just see if it would cause them people to st get stirred up towards God. Come on, you might wanna try that. Come on, it's a good idea. No, I'm just kidding. I used to drive around, I was in sales, I drove around Louisiana, Arkansas, Texas in this little car. You know, we didn't have cell phones back then, it was kind of peaceful. You know, I'd be on my, cell, on my uh, sales calls and I would just have the Bible just turned up in my car. I either had the Bible or worship music. I said, if I'm gonna be in here, I'm gonna worship God and listen to the word of God. And uh, man, I, I was so fired up, I went to law school, I went for a year and I just said, you know what? I think I wanna be in the ministry. I just told my teacher, God's called me to preach, called me out of the ministry, and I just walked out. Walked out of law school. I was in the top, top quarter of my class. I mean, you know, you've been praying and seeking God when you do that. Can I have an amen? 
And so why do I tell you all these stories? I'm talking about conviction. You know, and here, here's what I, I pray sometimes. I said, listen, I don't wanna have looked back in my life, I'm, I'm 44 now, I don't wanna look back and say 23 years ago when I was 21, I was fired up. Listen, I wanna grow, I want my passion for Jesus to grow. I wanna grow in wisdom and understanding. I mean, I had loads of zeal, but listen, I wanna have that same zeal in my heart for Jesus. I just want it to be balanced with experience, wisdom, understanding. Come on, y'all. I, I wanna be more fired up for God when I'm 45, 50, 60, 70 years old. Amen, come on, are y'all with me? Have some convictions. How about, how about have some convictions that even grow stronger? You know what I find out about the Word of God? The more you read it, the more you love it, the deeper, the richer the Word becomes, the deeper, the richer prayer becomes. Amen. And so the first way that we lose our fighting eye is we just start to compromise convictions that we once held dear to our hearts. The second way we lose our fighting eye is we live in regret. We live in regret. You know, how many of you know Christians make mistakes? We all drop the ball. We say things we didn't mean. We say things we shouldn't have said. We make bad choices. We get angry. Dads mess up. Can I have an amen? Can all the moms say amen? Moms mess up. Teenagers mess up a lot, don't they? Yes. And you know, when I think about regret in the Bible, Paul consented, the Bible says he drugged Christians off to their death. I mean, he, th that's pretty hardcore, isn't it? I mean, and so he had to be haunted with regret that he killed God's people. He had to be. And he wrote this scripture in Philippians 3. He says, brethren, I do not count myself to have hap apprehended. He says this, but this one thing I do. Come on, everybody say, one thing. He said, this one thing I do. He says, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And so Paul's writing this letter. He says, this one thing that I do. He says, I forget those things that are behind. And I press toward the goal for the upward call. It's an upward call. It's a call that moves you forward. And so here's what happens, the enemy loves for you to come and get stuck in regret. It's what I call a past focus. And what that means is you're just stuck in this decision that you made, something that happened that didn't work out and you're always rehearsing the past. Over and over, you, you, you guys know what I'm talking about, you're just rehearsing it, you're rehearsing a conversation, you're rehearsing a, a decision. And it, what happens is I really believe the enemy can come in and he can get, wants to do a stronghold of regret in your life. You're stuck in a past focus. And so God's trying to throw you the ball. He has things for you to do. He has assignments for you to do. But you're out of position. You can't catch it because you're stuck in the past. And here is how you break a past focus. Okay? Are y'all with me? Say Amen. Here's how you break a past focus. The first thing you have to do is you have to give your emotional baggage to God. You're just carrying emotional baggage. You're rehearsing, you're carrying it. I really believe that if you are serious and you give God, you, you cast your cares on him, you give him your emotional baggage, he can take it from you 
and bring healing. I really believe that a transaction can happen in your heart and in your life. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that's on your life. I believe it with all my heart. Why? Because I've experienced it. I've been in there. And I've, I've seen how God can take it and lift you out of that and break a past focus, but you have to seek. You have to want it. And so the first thing is to give him your emotional baggage. Quit carrying it around and give it to, to the Lord. The second thing you have to do is you have to acknowledge that God is in control. Sometimes we forget that God is in control of our life. And what I found out, it's real easy to say, God is in control. In fact, Christians like to say it, he's in control, hallelujah. But it's another thing to believe it, isn't it? Do you really believe that God's in control? Do you really believe that he can take your decisions, take your past and put all the pieces back together and work it for good in your life? He's still on the throne. He still sees the end from the beginning. Do you, still, do you really believe it? Amen. Listen, because if you believe he's in control, that he can redeem, how many of you know God will sometimes let you make mistakes? He'll let you make mistakes, but he'll redeem you from your mistakes if you don't give up. If you just keep moving forward, I, that scripture that Paul says, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Listen, it's, a, it's, it's almost like a life verse. Because Paul's saying this, he says, I haven't apprehended everything. How many of you know things are gonna happen in our life we're not gonna understand? Why did God allow that? I prayed, and it still happened. I don't know why God, I, listen, and Paul says this, I haven't apprehended everything, I don't understand everything. He says, but this one thing I'm gonna do I'm gonna forget those things which are behind and I'm gonna reach forward. This is what I tell people. Keep moving forward in God. Listen, I've been confused. I know you're going through a confusing time, but you have to decide you're gonna keep moving forward in God. If you're trying to figure it out, you're rehearsing the past over and over, you're gonna get stuck and, I, and the enemy could even cause a stronghold to, to sit in your life, in your heart, that's gotta be broken. And so here's what you have to do. Keep moving forward. Come on, everybody say move forward. Keep moving forward in God. Give him time to put the pieces back together. He's big, amen, he's still on the throne. He sees the end from the beginning. And, and so a second way we lose our fighting eye is we, we live in regret. We're stuck in a past focus. If that's you, man, I'm not just preaching something I got out of a book. I have it walked this out and I've experienced this through the power of prayer in the Bible and I know how to break a past focus. Apply that to your life and watch you get the, the victory, amen? The third way we lose our fighting eye is we become disappointed and we live in fear instead of faith. We become disappointed. Here's what a disappointment means. It means you missed an appointment. You thought something was gonna happen, but it didn't work out. Maybe you had really unrealistic expectations on something and you were believing, but it just didn't work out. It happens. It happens. And, and so here's what happens. We don't want to get disappointed again. And so we, we live in fear. We don't want that to happen again. We don't want to feel that again. And so we begin to live in fear. And the Bible says 
without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so when you're living in it, the Bible says you have to walk in faith to please God. And it says he's a rewarder of those who just keep seeking him. And so the problem is, if, you're, if that's you, there's no advancement in your life because you gotta keep moving forward in God. And so if disappointment is set in and you don't know which way to go, you're stuck. You lose your fight. And so the Bible says that we have to believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And so here's what happens. You were hurt in a relationship. It happens, you didn't see it coming. You're disappointed, you're disillusioned. You, you, your career didn't work out like you thought. You thought if you went to college, went in this career path, all this would come, and it just didn't work out, it happens. You thought that your finances would look a certain way by a certain age, but now it's, it's not looking that way. So you're, you're disappointed and you just don't, what's happened is the, the enemy's using disappointment to take your fight, to, take a, to bring you down. And, and so you, you, uh, you have a health problem. It brings a lot of fear. Someone that you love has a health problem and, and, and you're not in control of that. And it brings disappointment and now you're just stuck in fear. You've lost your fight. You, you don't know how to pray. And so everyone faces disappointment in life. Everyone faces disappointment in life. The problem is, how are we gonna deal with it? The question is, how are we gonna deal? Are we gonna let the enemy take our fighting eye away from us? Are we gonna cower in the corner? Here's what happens is, you don't wanna be disappointed again, and so a stronghold of fear can get, get in your heart. And you live in your life to not be disappointed again. And the Bible says God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. And so what do you fear today? What's your biggest fear? Is it finances? Is it health? Is, do, you, do you have a fear of being alone? What's your biggest fear? I was reading the Bible, in fact, it was a few years ago, and I was reading the story of David and Goliath, and it just hit me. It says, David ran to the battle. And I, and I just, that phrase, that scripture, stuck with me. David ran, I just had this picture of David. Here he is, a little shepherd boy. He's, the Bible says he has Saul's armor on, and he's running to face a giant. He's running to the battle. And sometimes you feel afraid, your fear begins to hit you, you say this, David ran to the battle. He ran and challenged his fear. He faced it down. And so if, you, if that's you, face down your fear. Run to the battle. It's not from God. And that stronghold of fear can be broken. Amen? And God wants us to live in faith and live in believing him. And just and here's you say, I just don't feel it. I just can't do that. Here's the deal. Just keep moving forward in God. You may not can feel it today, but just keep moving forward in God, amen? Amen. The fourth way we lose our fighting eye, come on, are y'all still with me? Say amen. So the, the, the first way we lose, the enemy wants to take our fighting eye, fighting eye is he, he wants us to compromise our convictions. Just slow, you, you just don't, you don't feel as strongly about what you used to believe. It can happen in our culture today. 
A second way that we lose our fighting eye is we live in regret. Something happened in our life, we made a mistake, and we're just stuck in a past focus. Here's what I've learned about regret, okay? When the enemy keeps you in a past focus, you just lost that day. You just, he just robbed a day from you. He just took a whole, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy, he just took a whole day from you when you were stuck in a past focus. And so you, you know, he, he comes and he wants to get you stuck in regret. A third way is that he comes and he wants you to take, we all become disappointed in life at some point. He wants that, instead of you moving forward, he wants to take that disappointment and create a stronghold of fear in your life. You don't, he's got you, you're not fighting anymore. You're just trying not to be disappointed again. The fourth way that we lose our fighting, I have walked through all of these in my life and still do. The fourth way that he takes our fighting eye is that we neglect the armor of God. Now, if you're like me, you've heard a hundred sermons on the armor of God. It reminds you of vacation Bible school or something or a cartoon or a song or something about the armor. But here's the deal. The armor of God is not optional. Paul didn't say, hey, take the armor if you want to. If you're having a good day, then put the armor of God on. It, it's not like that at all. He says this, he, he says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might and put on the full armor, the whole armor of God. I mean, it's a, it's a commandment to put the armor on. And so sometimes we just, we neglect the armor of God. We neglect that we're in a battle. We just get busy. And what happens is we're like naked soldiers running around Jacksonville trying to face the enemy. And the devil, he, the enemy hits wide open. He can come and attack us because we don't have our armor on. Listen, you, the, here's the deal with the armor. It's, the armor are like spiritual disciplines in our life. It says, finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might and put on the full armor of God. It says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And then in verse 13 it says, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. It says, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on, and look, you know what uh, girding your waist with truth speaks to me about? Your convictions, the truth. You, you know what you believe. You're not vacillating around on what you believe. You know what's right. You know what's wrong. You know who you are. And then it says, putting on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. He says, take the helmet of salvation. He says, above all else, take the what? Above all else, take the what? The shield of faith. I mean, we're talking about a fighting eye. We're talking about going into battle, the shield of faith. And then he says, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. I love that verse in Revelations that says, speaking of, of Jesus, says, out of his mouth came a double-edged sword. That's how he defeated the enemy, with the word of God. Those are your weapons. And so here's the deal. If you don't, you have to take these, you have to take these spiritual disciplines in your life. And you have to figure out a way to create a rhythm and a flow and a pattern in your life to where it's, it works for you and it's consistent. 
If not, if you're like praying and reading and church attendance and praying and reading and, and you're just up and down, you're leaving yourself open for the enemy. You're losing your fighting eye. And if, here's the deal. The spiritual disciplines are the easiest thing to skip and neglect, but they have the biggest impact on your spiritual life. You can't see it when it's happening. But you're leaving yourself open. Your faith is shrinking some. You don't even feel it, and now you're open. And so here's what you do. You, you figure what works for you to where you're keeping these things consistent. We're all wired a little different, but you, you keep your armor on. It becomes, here's the deal. It's who you are. You wear the armor of God. That's your convictions. That's who you are. It's not just something that you do. You're a man of the word. You're a woman of prayer. And that's who you are. And so the enemy, he's trying to come in. The Bible says he's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, but he can't, find, he can't get a foothold in your life because you wear the armor of God. That's who you are as a person. Those are your habits that you've developed over time. It's who you are. Amen? And so... Make that decision. Here, here's one last thing about the armor of God. This, this has helped me with the spiritual disciplines. Okay, the spiritual disciplines are things like prayer, Bible reading, church attendance, worship, giving, solitude, fasting, all of these things that you do. And so they, all these things, they're just tools to get your heart in the right place where your heart is strong and healthy and you have a fighting eye. And your heart can receive God's love and, and you can have a, a relationship with him. That's all those things are. Now, if you're over here and you say, the more I pray, the more God loves me, the more I read the word, the better Christian I am, the more better person I am, then it's, it's, you're, you're thinking that they're a means of themselves. They're just a means to an end. They're like a farmer who is planting crops. He plants the seed, there's, there's, he keeps the weeds out, he keeps the, the birds away, whatever he has to do for that harvest to grow. That's just like the spiritual disciplines. All they are are the work that we do to produce a harvest of a heart that's in right relationship with God. When you look at it like that, there's just a rhythm and a flow that you can sustainable in your life. And so we neglect the armor of God at times. We have to make a decision that this is who we are. And so <clears throat> the last way that we lose our fighting eye is that we forget about the grace of God. When I think of becoming a Christian as a young man, I think of his grace. It was, he, he, he called me, he chose me, you know, and I think of his grace, and, and I didn't deserve it, come on y'all. I didn't deserve it, and his grace and his love came and changed my heart. And I believe with all of my heart that the love of God is the most powerful force in the universe. You, know, you wanna know what the answer to the problems of mankind? God's love, the cross, the forgiveness that Jesus' blood brings us. That's the answer, guys. His, heart, his love can change a heart in an instant, amen? But here's what happens. Sometimes in life, you just find yourself, I find myself just striving. Striving, and it's a, it's a battle. I'm striving. The Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. That means they're not fleshly. 
They're, they're spiritual weapons and there's no striving. Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden is, when you find yourself striving, here's what happens, you find yourself worn out and you're just forgetting that he fights our battles. Paul put it like this, he said, Jesus told him, he said, my grace is sufficient for you. Paul was praying, he says, take this thorn. And Paul, the Lord Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for you. He said, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. When we're the weakest, he's the strongest. And so sometimes we just forget. We're trying to battle in our own strength, in our own flesh. And he's saying, man, I just want you, the Lord's saying, I want you to surrender. You forgot about my grace. You, you didn't earn this, you don't deserve this. It's all about my power in your life and not your own strength. And as we close here on, on Father's Day, you know, this is a personal message to me. These are things I've walked out. I wanna share one last thing, one last point with you. Sometimes I lose my fighting eye, especially on days like today, Father's Day. Um, years ago, uh, in fact, there's, I think we have a picture. So this is my dad. His name was uh, Jack Barnett. That's me. Look, I kind of look like my dad a bit, except he had hair. You know, I don't have any, obviously. So that's me. Uh, I was born premature. Only, I weighed under four pounds, man. That's little. And uh, so my, my dad, Jack, he passed away shortly after this picture, really. And even, sometimes even today, you know, I lose my fighting eye because it, it makes me feel incomplete growing up without a dad. I mean, I'll just be honest, authentic with you guys today. It makes me feel incomplete. You know, it makes me feel sometimes insignificant. Sometimes I feel insecure. That I, I grew up all these years, you know, even 42, 43 years ago, I still feel that way sometimes. But you know what I have to remind myself? And I, I know in a room, you know, the campuses, I know many of you feel the same way. I know that's how many of you feel this morning. That's why I wanted to share this. And one time, sometimes I just forget about the grace of God. Because when his grace comes in our life, he makes everything new. He makes everything better. You know, and, and so when I'm striving, when I think about not having a dad and feeling incomplete, here's what I found out. We have a perfect heavenly father. And the Bible says in Romans, amen. Thank you, Jesus. He makes all the difference, guys. And the Bible says in Romans, that he gives us the spirit of adoption where which we can cry, Abba, Father. You know what that scripture says to me? It says that the Holy Spirit gives you revelation that God is your Father. And whatever's missing from not having that relationship with your dad, he makes up all the difference. And you don't have to feel incomplete, you're made whole. Amen? Yes. Come on, let's stand together, I wanna pray for you. Come on, let's pray. Maybe you wanna lift your hands up like this just to receive this prayer. I wanna pray. Here's what I'm gonna pray for at all the campuses, OP, St. John's. I wanna pray that if you feel like you've lost your fighting, I wanna pray that it, it just, it comes back today on Father's Day 2015, amen, that you have more of a fight now than ever before, amen, that you know about all of his, the enemy's weapons and you're gonna defeat them in the name of Jesus. Come on, let's pray. Maybe you lift your hands up like this as a sign of receiving. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that you love us. God, and right now, just stir our convictions for the things of God. We wanna be people of conviction today. Father, right now, we just pray that if there's any regret that's a stronghold in our lives, God, that we would break a past focus 
in the name of Jesus. God, if there's disappointment in our life, God, that's causing a stronghold of fear, God, I pray that scripture. You have not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. It's broken in the name of Jesus. We give you our emotional baggage, God. We know that you see the end from the beginning, that you're in control. We make a decision, God, to put your armor on every day. Fight the fight of faith, God. And right now, we just receive your grace. God, we thank you for the grace of God that brings a refreshing, that brings healing, God, that brings wholeness, that's found in you. You are the best Father. And I just pray right now you would just touch your people, give them encouragement today in the name of Jesus. Anyone here today, you say, Pastor Chris, I just need, to, I need a fresh start with God. I've been far away. I've been, I feel far from the Father's love today. I wanna pray for you. If that's you, just slip a hand up. Amen. Any other hands? Amen at the campuses. Father, right now, we just commit our life to you. We thank you for that you forgive us of all of our sins, God, and we make you the Lord of our life, God. We turn away from our old life, old living, and we turn to the cross. We thank you for loving us for a fresh start today, for making us new in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, put your hands together for God. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.